Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're having deja vu all over again. This week on Pod Like a Raven. I think that's a Yogi Berra quote. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. I could have looked it up before the show, but that's just what I what I was feeling as we intro another odd week, sad week, frustrating week here on Pod Like a Raven. I am Antonio Barbera. After a month of backpats, national media praise, and deserved attention as a legitimate Super Bowl contender. The Ravens fell back down to earth with the same spectacular crash as ever, blowing a double-digit fourth-quarter lead at home to an inferior opponent. And we're back to questioning what this team is, what they can be, and will they ever become a serious closer when the moment gets difficult. Let me bring in my two co-hosts, starting with Tim Horsey, who was at the bank Unfortunately, fortunately, uh, however, uh, I'll let him. I'll, I'll let him decide. Tim, uh, how was uh, how was the game? How was being at the game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look to to not start on a total total uh, cynic note because that's going to happen throughout this episode. It was fun being at the bank. You know, it was a good time, and um, I, you know, I don't go to a ton of games. Maybe one or two games a year, and so it's always cool to be there and running out like a 12 year old to make sure I saw Roquan Smith do his entrance, which he literally just like kind of runs out on the field cause he's ready for game day. Uh, and then he finishes with 21 total tackles. It's, that's fun. Um, but yeah, the result obviously not what you want there. Um, so I'm super excited to talk about chargers East. I mean the Baltimore Ravens. Um, yeah, it's just, God, can we just stop now? Can we stop? That's all I have to say. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Just inter- introduce Jace. You guys can go for it. I don't want to do this anymore. Deja vu all over again is a Yogi Berra uh, quote. Just wanted to make sure I hadn't accidentally quoted like Hitler or something by accident and not, not remembering at all who, who it was. But no, it's a good safe quote there by uh, by Yogi. But that's the mood here on the show. Jace Evans. Jace, how are you feeling uh, uh, as we as yeah. we recoup here on Monday afternoon? Um. This one sent me to a, a sort of existential hole a bit, Antonio, uh, in, in the late going around Sunday night at around 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, just kind of driving around uh, doing some errands. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like it, you almost question, at least I was last night, about like your will to live. 
<laughs> a Metallica song came on where that was like one of the lyrics basically and I was like why am I watching the Ravens you waste three hours of your day doing this and it's like what's the payoff like I'm just expecting them to collapse at all times <laughs> even when things are going good just knowing this is around the corner I don't know it put me in a dark place it, it was like a where's the joy kind of situation <laughs> uh late Sunday yeah I mean this was this was this this sucked this was annoying um I don't know if it made me as mad as the Steelers loss or even the Colts loss but it was definitely you nailed it like a crash back to earth and and like I said sent me sent me spinning a little bit on a existential uh, crisis about like what the Ravens are and why watch that sort of thing uh, but I'm here I feel better today uh, and uh, yeah I guess ready to break this down as best we can <laughs> Uh, however that may go. Yeah. Um, I mean, each of these frustrating losses have had little differences, maybe little tweaks or or changes from from one to the other, but this version was score a lot of points immediately, take a nice big lead at home, have the crowd going, and then you you just see it. You see the the negative ending coming from so far away. I try to fight that feeling as often as possible, um, just based on game and scenario. I I think we had some fears in the Lions game, and it was 28 to nothing. That wasn't real, right? That wasn't a real fear. But in this one, for as high as the, the peak was in the first five minutes, that's just how low... Uh, Hello, the Valley is, and and we'll get into it, but I'll I'll use one stat here to kind of sum things up. The Browns trailed in this football game, not didn't lead. The Browns specifically trailed for 59 minutes and 20 seconds. No NFL team, this millennium, it's never good when you have to use millennium to to give the, the time frame. No NFL team this millennium has won while trailing for that long in a game per ESPN stats. So that's that's where we're at. Um, we're going to go first half, second half, uh, as we dive a little bit deeper, but I, I'm wondering if you guys have maybe more overarching feelings about this before we get into the kind of quarter-by-quarter thing here. To paraphrase the late, great Denny Green, Antonio, the Ravens are who we thought they were, and I let them off the hook. Last week, I came on the show, and I praised them and said I owe John Harbaugh an apology. I do not owe anyone an apology. <laughs> this team is exactly what they have been for the better part of three seasons now. You know, it, it, they seem like they're front runners. Uh, the word chokers, you can throw that around. Marlon Humphrey has, right? So, like, I don't feel like that's just putting casting unfair words onto them. Uh they just this team just threw us off the scent for a few weeks with the, this run of games, uh, you know, against against the Lions and against the Seahawks. But they showed us on Sunday why they will not win the Super Bowl this season. They are a Super Bowl contender nominally because they are going to make the playoffs. That makes you a Super Bowl contender. They will not win the Super Bowl. They showed us why in this game, and I am mainly mad at myself uh, for daring to believe that that things were different for three weeks. Um, just to rip the band-aid off some of these stats uh, relayed by Sarah Ellison on Twitter, the Ravens have blown six double-digit leads 
uh, since the start of last season. And that's 11 total losses, including playoffs. So basically 50% of your losses involve you blowing a double-digit lead. Uh, and Zarebic had a number that it's it's seven two-possession leads. So that might be like a nine-point in there uh, as well that they also blew at some point. Um, and since 2021, this team has blown nine fourth-quarter leads of at least seven points. That is that is a trend. That is That is not a one-off. That is what this team does. Um, and I think you mentioned the time trailing in this game. I think this stat's almost more of an indictment of like this group's finishing ability, uh, than anything. So they've trailed for just 28 minutes and 46 seconds of game time this season, right? In the entire so, season. Let's emphasize that. Yeah, yeah. Less than 30 minutes this season, less than 30 minutes. We played 10 games. The entire season <laughs> in 10 games that are 60 minutes each. That's 600 minutes. Less than thirty minutes of those, they have been tra- they have been trailing. Just I want to make sure that point for the listener is emphasized <laughs> while, while yeah. you read the rest. Of the it, it's an astounding stat, uh, especially when you put it like that. I didn't even hadn't really even thought that far out how how small a portion of the season that it, that really is. But uh, it's the third least amount of time playing from behind in the last forty seasons, uh, behind only the nineteen eighty four Miami Dolphins who uh, went to the Super Bowl, and behind the 1998 Denver Broncos, who won the Super Bowl. The two teams behind the Ravens at the top five, the 1990 New York Giants, who won the Super Bowl, the 2007 New England Patriots, which famously went 18-1, and won, nearly our last perfect season in the NFL. Um, so, good list to be on. All those teams that spent that little time trailing, they all started the season 10-0. and The Ravens are 7-3. and uh, and I just think that fact is our lives would be, I think, so much easier if this che- team was just middling, if they were just middle of the road, bad, mediocre, good, but not great. This is a great team, but every loss is somehow catastrophic and their own fault. And that's driving me insane. <laughs> they should be undefeated, probably. Uh, but instead, we're going to be hosting a wild card game at best. Uh, as the Chiefs sit home with the first round bye um, because they can't stop blowing these games. And, you know, Sunday's games, like games like that, blowing games like this, being 7-3 and three when you should be 10-0, and 0, that's what's going to prevent you from winning the Super Bowl. There's only one bye. The Chiefs are going to get it now. You're, like, basically going to be too far behind after we lose on Thursday. Spoiler alert for my picks. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's what it is. They're not winning the Super Bowl this year. And that's fine, but, like, I would just rather them not show me they have the ability to win the Super Bowl <laughs> and then just keep shooting themselves in the foot. I'd rather they just were not a Super Bowl-caliber team. This is a Super Bowl-caliber team that can't stop getting its own way, and uh, in its own way. And at this point, they've given us no evidence uh, that they'll stop doing that. I mean, as I said, I pointed out with these stats, this is a three-year trend at this point of blowing these games. And there's several common denominators of all that, and it is the head coach and it is the quarterback, uh, I think, the two the two top things. I've already gone on several hardball rants uh, so far this season, so I'll largely refrain from doing that. He's still part of the problem, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's just disappointing. And and I think what makes it so frustrating is because they are that good, and yet, and yet. We'd almost feel better if they, 
you're allowed to lose football games in the NFL. Every team's lost already. We're halfway through the season. Every year, the best teams who win the Super Bowl lose games. Uh, if you, until you go back 50 years to find the last case where that didn't happen. But it's games like... Ignore the... I almost cursed. This is about going to be a bad episode. <laughs> ignore the Colts' loss. Ignore the Steelers' loss, which had their own problems. You look at this one by half... And it's an it's a nonsensical, f- complete flip of both how the defense and offense perform, and, and you can't. I don't I don't know where you find the answers in the building anymore, and, and that's that's the line that, as Jace already mentioned, these players have already said. I think Roquan is trying his absolute hardest to be that voice to have a leader. And, and yet, it's we've still had the same result three times now in some of the worst performances. When you look at the first half of this game with the most perfect start as you can ask for, the Hamilton pick six on the second play from scrimmage, a touchdown on your first offensive possession, a field goal on your next offensive possession, you're leading 17-3, to the crowd's behind it, Tim's had a few natty bows, he's cheering his, his heart out on third down. You get to the end of the half, and the Browns, yeah, they're moving the ball a little bit, but guess what? They're settling for field goals. That's what you want to do. Bend, but don't break. That famous mantra. Watson has an ankle injury at some point in the second quarter, and he's starting to hobble. He misses the last uh, play that the Browns run. He's 6 of 20 through the air at that point in time. He is 6 of 20 through the air. And then you come out of halftime, and all of a sudden he's Tom Brady in the second. It can't. It you can't have it. It's impossible that he went into halftime, talked with the coordinator, and just light bulb went on, and everything is amazing now, and every throws there. It's in response to other things happening on the other side of the ball, and I cannot, for the life of me, figure it out. Tim, I knew you had some things to say, and uh, I, I I took a turn on a rant, so I'm going to turn back to you now. No, you're fine. Um, I think. You, you bring up a really good point of, you know, Roquan trying to do what he can or, like, you're trying to find some different voices. You'd almost be fine with these if you thought that the team could learn from them, right? Like, there's been Ravens teams in the past where it's like, oh, trap game or, oh, my God, I can't believe they blew that. And then they kind of figure it out, right? Like, they 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 brought out LaRon McClain to hold the shield for this game, which I texted you guys. I was just so so happy about uh shout out fullbacks and i was like those teams of that leron mclean era right like the the teams we grew up with yeah they would lose dumb games all the time but there was also a sense of at least more than this team of kind of like all right well that's gonna harden this team for for the stretch run in january they're gonna learn from this you know they're not gonna play their best or they might play like a a rock fight type of game in January, but they're not going to make stupid, stupid mistakes. And sometimes they've made like minuscule ones, or you know, I'm like off the top of the head, the Joe Flacco rookie year, Troy Palomalu thing. Like they, they, there were still mistakes within there, but it wasn't like, oh my god, the existential dread of this team just being able to constantly shoot itself in the foot over and over and over again. Because you thought they would learn from results like this, and it's not only this season; it's been multiple seasons of this where you just know this team. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And when the going gets tough for the Ravens, they just flee or jump off a bridge or do something. Like, just just get away. Scurry as fast as they can away from the tough. And that's concerning because, you know, 
I, look, I picked against the Ravens in our picks all the time, and some of it was joking and hyperbole and superstition and what have you. But like, I knew going into this game it was going to be close. You, you know, you make the joke about like the the natty bows and 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 having and cheering and celebrating, and yeah, like there was some of that. But I tell you, for forty eight minutes out of the sixty in this game, I'm leaning over my chair like stressed out to all high heaven. Carly sitting next to me like, Jesus, Tim, they're up by fourteen points. Are you okay? I'm like, no, because you could see the little cracks in the foundation. And good teams deal with the cracks in the foundation and, you know, still kick the orcs off the wall at the Battle of Helm's Deep. That's the nerdiest <laughs> reference I've ever made on this show, by the way. <laughs> Our team doesn't do that and let the orcs just take over Helm's Deep. And, and that's, and first of all, I'm not a super big Lord of the Rings guy. I might have completely screwed that up. But for the people who've seen the movies like two or three times, you get it. Um, the Ravens are a team that doesn't do that. They don't, they don't fight off the adversity well and you know sunday was just another glaring example of that yeah we're uh we, we do a very poor job of holding out for gandalf on the first light of the right. fifth day right. or whatever it is <laughs> gimli and legolas aren't sitting there like counting bodies like that one counts throwing them uh, off the bridge it's yeah it's them scurrying back to the farthest part of the foundation because they can't deal with a little chink in the armor they can't deal with a little crack in the wall um, and it's happened Tim, I think we have we have the perfect message for Harbaugh. That's the movie he's got to throw on. You know, Two he towers, always has baby. some sort Great of film. motivational yes. uh, technique for the guy. You know, the she had a sword or this shield <laughs> or something, and he has something this year. I saw the little the social team for them made a video about it. It's like this wooden thing that they they like carve a shape into it. I forget what it what it is. It's not, I, I'll look it up when you, when you guys are talking, but instead it should be watch Lord of the Rings to see what, uh, you know, what toughness is when, when the task gets tough. Well, I think that was the most disappointing thing for, for me with this game because, you know, you kind of mentioned it, Antonio. They were, they were trying to keep the Browns in this throughout the second quarter. You know, they take that 17-3 to lead. They get a field goal blocked. Lamar throws an awful pick. And you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be a one-score game at halftime. Uh, and, well, I guess it was, right? But it was like, you're like, this is going to be way closer than it should, even though they dominated this first half. Watson looks awful. But then they come out and they score, like, right out of like, right out of uh, uh, halftime on that nice Beckham play. And I was like, all right, we got it. We're okay. <laughs> We've righted the ship. And then it just went completely sideways and I think it all and you mentioned like the you guys mentioned like the cracks of the foundation it all I think started to come apart certainly on the, the, the Browns drive so the Ravens score but then that the Browns go 17 plays 75 yards 1009 it's their longest longest drive since 2015 the broadcast said and I don't know it just to me seemed like like from there it it, it like punched the Ravens in the mouth and they just felt to me like they like lost their composure from there largely. I mean, this is such a weird game to talk about just because the offense has 25 plays in the entire second half. It's yeah. just, they, they don't even have that many plays for the whole game. They only have the ball for 25 minutes. It, it really, I think as much as I still think the offense is largely to blame <laughs> for, for what happened, um, this was the worst we've seen the Ravens defense play this year, I think, or at least certainly the first time they looked like they got truly bullied. And they did on that drive. They had no answer for Watson's scrambles. 
Um, Zarebic noted Watson hit all 14 of his pass attempts in the second half after, like you said, he starts 6 of 20 and then he's perfect in the second half while he's hobbling around. I don't know. I was just, I was, it was just really disappointing. And that drive, I think, was kind of the microcosm of it. Um, but certainly they, they just didn't have the defensive answers in the second half. And I think that leans into the offense because I think when then things get tight, number eight gets tight, and that permeates, like, the entire team to me. Uh, and everything with the Ravens offense gets disjointed, but I think it actually starts with just, like, the way their defense just – they got pushed around. They got pushed around, yeah. and Miles Garrett dominated them. Certainly the offensive line injuries didn't help. I don't think they did a good job adjusting to that either. Um, but, I, yeah, I think in the, in the long run it's just the Browns put these long drives together and just kind of beat them up, punched them in the mouth. Okay, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot there that you just unpacked, um, both offensively and defensively. And somebody in the stadium, admittedly, I, I haven't – Watch the highlights back because why would I? The Browns won, and the amount of crap I've talked on this show over the last couple of years, I never want to see the have Browns have a victory. So I'm not going to rewatch the highlights. I'm not going to do that, even though I should for the listener here. I I, I, I want to jump off a couple of those points. Um, the Ravens certainly got manhandled. Um, you know, the David and Joku kind of run seemed like the turning point of like, ah, I'm running with my face on fire, and like, you know, actually did and. Seem to be. I just, I just broke Jace. I apologize. Um, I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> my bad. Uh, and yeah, that kind of seemed like the moment that everything turned around, right? And defensively, look, it was funny being in the stadium. They kept flashing like number of plays for each team, and I constantly remember looking, like even in the first half, and being like, "Man, the offense has not been out there that long." And sure, you can say you can. If you want to give the benefit of the doubt to the defense, they're being like, well, they were on the field too long, which is the, the argument that we've given to our defense for, I don't know, since 1996 or maybe like 98 when they started to get good. And we've been like, the offense was crap. That's why the defense was bad. I think the defense has a lot. A lot of the blame lays at the foot of the defense for just how piss poor they were towards the end. I don't care how gassed you were. You're supposed to be this top tier unit. Um, and it just didn't show. A million other points that you laid out there, Jace, that I think you guys, we can all break down, but you guys sitting there on TV and getting the benefit of replays and what have you might have a little bit more to share than I did other than the Ravens simply getting outplayed. One microcosm of everything you said that I do want to talk about. What happened to the QB spy? You know in like Madden 2004 when Michael Vick was really, really good, so you had to have the QB spy play for defense where it was like, this guy will just sit there and follow the quarterback? Why was Deshaun Watson able to just scramble everywhere? Like, it, I, we were sitting like a corner end zone seat, and a lot of the, a lot of the game was played away from us. Like, it, they were kind of just based on game flow and what have you. It seemed like they were driving away from us multiple times, and you would see the Ravens kind of get a decent amount of pressure when they weren't getting pushed around. Because let's let's not kid ourselves here or make excuses. The Ravens got pushed around in this football game. What, what what happened where Deshaun Watson was just able to get like six to eight yards a clip every time that he scrambled out of the pocket? It was it was maddening to me as you have two elite linebackers uh, at what they do, including Roquan Smith, and nobody could get near a hobbled, as you guys mentioned, Watson. It, it didn't make sense in the stadium. I don't know if it made any more sense watching on television. No, and it was almost like, I don't know if it was like, 
they were like, oh, he's hurt, he can't run. But it, it was bizarre. It just seemed like it was there every time he wanted. And, and I felt like so many times in the second half, like, he just, I don't know, I, I guess I haven't watched Watson a ton in recent years, certainly hasn't Shouldn't played have that to. much. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, he hadn't been around <laughs> but, for a while. Yeah. Um, he, he just was holding on to the ball forever, it felt like. And, like, half the time it looked like he was looking to run. And, yeah, it just, the fact that they were, like, unprepared for that, was largely disappointing and and i mean the whole middle of the field in general not just with watson but like they it seemed like they whatever they were doing in this game was not working because the browns worked the middle pretty good in this game uh and and yeah i I think those watson scrambles are just sort of the microcosm of it yeah it it, it was it was maddening Uh, especially he like he's not that fast he's not that athletic but he's he's athletic enough to get the yards he needs and yeah, I don't know. He just, it, it just seemed like we were like a step slow all day. Couldn't quite get to him. I mean, on that last drive, you just have that, uh, I forget who he breaks away from, Van Noy, I think, and then Matabike's diving at him and somehow misses him. And you're like, oh my God, this guy can't move. And he just rushed for like 15 yards or something. Uh, it was just, it was driving me crazy. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I th- he's certainly more athletic than, like, Roethlisberger, but it very much felt like one of those, like, just bring him down. He's not that fast. But they just, I don't know, they just had no answer for him all day. It was very strange. Yeah, he's kind of in between, like, a pocket passer and Lamar Jackson, like, the exact middle point between those two things. And I guess the defensive strategy was that, we think he's more the pocket passer than he is on the side of Lamar, you know, the 49-51 decision. Burned them a couple of times. I would wonder if they thought that his injury was going to impact him a little bit. or they were. It it did seem at times also that they were trying to rush with four and rush in the way that you're supposed to, you're not really going 100% to try to get a sack, but to kind of maintain, like, lane integrity defensively. And a couple times it looked like they were doing that well, but he was just kind of able to work around it, and then guys would be either fly by him or dive at his feet or get a part of his arm and then not quite be able to bring him down, and then it was open after that. The fact that, I mean, I was going to bring up earlier the Ravens' injury issues at the worst time, right? Offensively, things are struggling. They haven't gotten into a flow for long periods of time, and then Stanley's hurt and Zeitler's hurt, and all of a sudden you're looking at your offensive line just getting manhandled without the Browns having to blitz. And you say, oh, of course, this is happening in the fourth quarter. Browns didn't have three three tackles in this game. T- yeah. Tackle options one, two, and three, yeah. left and right, did not play in this football game. And did it really matter a ton? No. It should have been, that, that should have defined the game where every time Watson dropped back, he was getting killed or having to run for his life. And instead it was the perfect... It was like a Watson antidote was being able to just sit and when pressure came, carefully work around it and then complete passes or run on his own. The the run defense was poor against backup tackles. So you run out of excuses. I mean... The run D, D, by the way, was horrendous. It was so, so Um, But I just cannot get away from Watson not being able to complete a pass in the first half and then not having an incompletion, basically, in the entirety of the second half. You can't explain that to me without some massive halftime adjustment that then the Ravens weren't able to account for at any period of time. 
the game felt like it was getting away from us even sooner than it actually did. We got a, a couple of gifts in this game that, that I want to touch on because <laughs> yeah. they were almost too perfect. Um, the Ravens on their heels uh, in the second half, forced to punt, and the Browns, of course, who added James Prochet a few weeks ago, uh, activate him for this one and then have him return a punt in, in near you know with his back to his own end zone muffs the punt of course James Prochet makes a mistake at M&T Bank Stadium drops the ball Ravens recover they're able to score a touchdown on that drive which makes the final score look good took them seven plays to go 12 yards and they were helped by I think a couple of different penalties some that were a little yeah. bit suspect yeah. um so not really a well-oiled machine then, <laughs> either. Um, Jackson with interceptions at the seemingly the worst possible moments of this football game, too. I want to get you... Okay, here's something. This was a debate that I had. <laughs> the interception is a tip ball that could go anywhere. Is that the situation where every quarterback in the NFL on every single throw could, in theory, have the ball tipped and it could go anywhere and then be returned for a touchdown? Or is it a mistake that in that moment, in that situation, Lamar Jackson is tight, as we've mentioned, is panic-throwing to his fullback in the flat for one yard, and then is also not able to react in time after the interception is made to tackle the intercepting player or push him out of bounds? The ball was in the air for about 10 minutes, guys, before the Brown defender caught it and then ran... Where's the quarterback to stop him from scoring? Could have changed the game. Could have forced him to into a field goal. I have yet to see Lamar Jackson tackle uh, a defender after a turnover. I would like to see it someday. But I want to get your, your thoughts on that particular play. Am I? Is it just dumb, bad luck that's going to happen? And, of course, it happened in the worst possible moment. Or is the fact that it happened in the worst possible moment an indicator <laughs> Uh, that it was more d decision making and, and execution. First off, all time old man take from you about I haven't seen Lamar Jackson tackle somebody yet <laughs> on an interception. Like, and all time because I kind of agree with you. Um, look, fairly or unfairly, I think the history of Lamar Jackson tends to, and I assume because you said you got in a debate, didn't say which side you were on, but I think I know, agree with you in that it's a bad mistake from Lamar Jackson. Like, Look at the interception earlier in the game, which is just an absolutely horrendous throw. He has done this over and over again in the biggest moments. You know, I was I was out outside of the tailgate. And we were talking about like joking about the blindside Joe Flacco fumble that he loves doing. the The guy coming off the left side doesn't see him, fumbles the ball, and oh well, it's turnover luck. Like they haven't been able to recover recover a bunch of their fumbles this year. You still can't put the ball on the ground, and you still can't throw it to the other team. And like you said, checking the ball down to your fullback in the flat in a moment that the ultimate optimist can say, well, you know, it happens, it's football, those guys get paid too, what have you. But no, your quarterback, who again, you can stomach this on a rookie deal, you cannot stomach it on the deal that he is, on the money he is making right now because of how it affects the team moving forward, what have you. The same conversation, we don't need to get into detail here, but what we've talked about before. You can't, you cannot, as this guy for this team, be making that throw that causes that 
and then not efforting to try and bring the man down. It's it's an it's it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. It was a bad Lamar Jackson football game. And look, you know, it's an overarching point that I'm sure we'll make again and again and again as we continue this conversation. But a lot of a lot of patting on the back over the next last couple of weeks, right? A lot of Ravens best team in the NFL, Lamar Jackson MVP front runner. A lot of that. And today, or excuse me, Sunday, the true colors showed. And um, yeah, that was that was not just a silly mistake anybody's going to make. That's a throw Lamar Jackson continuously makes that he shouldn't be making. And I think that's the the thing that eats at me, Tim. Is it? it I felt that interception was so inevitable when we're backed up and it feels like the momentum's turning and you should be thinking, oh, this is when our, our, our you know, 100 or 200, I don't know how much is contracted 50 million a year quarterback. Lots of cash. Yeah. yeah hundreds of millions of dollars uh, quarterback. That's when you step up and you go on a drive. And it, all I was thinking of is I was like, just don't turn the ball over. And then he, he hits it. I, and it's one of those things where I was like, I didn't really think it was Lamar's fault. I did watch this play back today uh, before we recorded. Um, and I do think it's a bad throw. I think uh, if you look at the replay, it seems like it might have been pick sixth uh, if the ball wasn't knocked out of the air. The Browns defenders breaking on this flat to Patrick Ricard, which is an awful play, awful <laughs> position, uh, just everything bad about it. And yeah, I think it just all leads back to just like Lamar in the big moments and all the questions that still come up with him, you know, and he's had big moments too, but it's just like, I don't know. I, I, the, the trust just isn't a hundred percent there yet. Certainly. And, and yeah, I felt the interception was inevitable. And even after the Browns missed the extra point, I still felt like we were losing this game at this point when you commit a, a mistake that egregious and have shown like your ability to not bounce back from adversity um, I just had so little faith that they were going to win, and um, and then they didn't. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned the fumble luck. Uh, we should, I guess, just mention in passing, they did force a fumble on the Browns' last drive uh, with a one-point lead and uh, proceeded it to somehow bounce directly to the Browns' right guard because other teams' offensive players seem to be looking for the ball uh, in, in uh, when they play us, but not our guys. Yeah, I don't know. It stinks. Lamar, yeah, I... I I think the MVP train is over, I think, after this game. He has the same amount of turnovers as touchdowns. That's not good. That's not what you want. Uh, And um, I think he does great things. And I think in games like this, we see his limitations and why he'll never be the best player in the league. And, you know, that stinks. But I I still think on the whole, he's certainly a top 10 quarterback, top five a lot of weeks. But it's just moments like this where you're like, "This this is the difference between, like, you know, Hall of Fame, all-time great, and, and just a good quarterback. And I, I, I increasingly get concerned he's he's just a good quarterback, and you, that's you, fine. Hold, but... hold on, Chase. You, you say all this, same amount of turnovers as touchdowns. He has the same amount of passing touchdowns as Derek Carr and Mac Jones <laughs> with 10. Mac that's not what you, Jones. That's not the company you want to keep generally. No. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I... I I was just so distraught after that pick and, and kind of that's that's when I was like, all right, let's just sim to the end of this one. Because I at this point I saw where it was going and I, I just I think that's when I started unleashing a, 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 a rain of texts in the group chat uh, 
about how this was the same old team and things I said on this program today. But uh, um, yeah, it is, this was this was that was the dark moment for me. And, and I guess just one final Lamar thing, Tim. You mentioned in our text thread his internal clock. And I think that's just something else to kind of mention in passing. It was not great, and it's some horrendous. of the sacks. It's, it's, it's horrendous. It's it's yeah. The awareness is worse than Joe Flacco's, and that's <laughs> as much as I love both of them. It, it, it that's not a compliment. And I think it's too. It's it's lack of awareness in the situation you're in. It's like yeah, their line was getting destroyed play after play. But that's what's going to happen when you lose your starting left tackle and your starting right guard. And it's just like a lack of adjustment. And this is part on the coaching staff, too. It's just not him not adjusting to that and the coaching staff not adjusting to that. And, and like, the same thing. It's like just the lack of adjustments, not getting Keaton Mitchell the ball more. It's just like collective panic that seems to set in with this team. And just like, I don't know. Yeah, like you're going to lose linemen, especially you're going to lose these linemen. I <laughs> It seems like particularly your left tackle, and it's just like and that's a, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, I don't even know if we want to dive into yeah. that, but <laughs> um, it, 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 it's yeah, it's just not adjusting to that. Like, yeah, you lose guys, and that, but it's like as a quarterback, as the highest paid player on the team, you gotta know you just don't have the time. And it's he's looking for like Nelson Aguilar to get open. It's like you don't have the time for that to happen. You gotta, you guys gotta adjust, and they just didn't in this game. Uh, a few opportunities late to seal this game. Weirdly, I felt worse when the Browns missed the... This is so irrational, yes. but <laughs> when the Browns missed the extra point, I almost felt worse because if it was tied, I thought the Browns might have been less aggressive at, late in the game, but instead they were down by a point, so they had to be aggressive and thus were able to march right down the field without any sort of issues at all. Um, outside of not being able to... Um, the Ravens not being able to recover a fumble. Uh, getting into a second and 19 after the fumble and then just playing soft enough to immediately give up a 17-yard completion, that, that's some nice frustrating uh, soft D uh, to, to play the the scenario that obviously backfired. Um, boy, a lot of issues from the top down, and we made it a month without having to uh, <laughs> go back to those particular issues. Do the same episode, back. yeah. Yeah, um, and obviously the schedule. I mean, part we might just learn. We might have another month here to really learn that a lot of the amazing stuff that we saw was a significantly softer first half of the schedule uh, versus second half, especially as it applies to um, the quarterbacks that you're playing and the caliber of opponent in the second half because there are some tough teams coming on down the stretch, so it doesn't get any easier, unfortunately. And I, I think none of us have any faith that they've just they've learned things or they've figured things out or that the formula is going to be different or they're going to approach things differently when it gets to crunch time or when things get get tight and get nervous. So... A few intangibles left from this game. Um, Stanley, Ronnie Stanley got hurt, exited. Um, Marlon Humphrey was hurt in this game, exited. Humphreys is, uh, what is it, a lower calf strain day-to-day. He will not be playing on Thursday. This game's four days after the previous game. I have zero expectation of him playing in this one. Zeitler came out of this game. I haven't seen anything on him yet, but... uh, 
I'm going to go ahead and assume Stanley is out for Thursday and Humphrey out for Thursday, which is a, a problem. Um, another small thing. The inability to not have our kicks blocked, whether they be punts, whether they be field goals, is not only an issue, but embarrassing. Um, this has happened several times to the kicking game, whether it be Justin Tucker with long, or not even long, even I think an extra point was blocked at a certain point, and then Stout getting his uh, a punt blocked. Had, does this get solved? Is this a personnel issue? Is this a special teams coach issue? H- how do we fix this? Because this is something that never, if very, very rarely, would happen to this team. And now special teams, first of all, special teams as a whole is a disaster. But specifically, this is something that should not be a, an issue, and it is. Can they address it? How do they address it in the next, you know, the back half of the season? Well, you don't put Ben Cleveland at left guard. I know that because, <laughs> my God, that guy got absolutely like, – oh, somebody tripped on his foot or whatever. No, he he opened a hole that I could have run through and tried to block the kick. Uh, I, I don't know. I like, the special teams thing is so frustrating, right, because it's like the really, really good coaches make sure that all aspects of the game are solid and, you know – Special teams is a third of the game, what have you. And then you have a guy in John Harbaugh who is also special teams background, special teams coordinator, and and, and we're getting these issues. Um, I don't want to – I'm not going to ask you guys this because I don't want to give it any more time than it maybe deserves. Um, and But I'll just say this. I ain't as confident when Justin Tucker walks out there from 50-plus, and it's not just the line. Um, I know that sounds like – you know, treason, and I should be, you know, they should drive a stake through me for saying that, but there's something there. Even in the stadium yesterday, even some of the chip shots, it was like, that doesn't look like, I don't know, I guess we just wave it off because it's Justin Tucker, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Something to think about, but yeah, I think, Antonio, you make the right point that it's more concerning that the Lions can't figure it out, uh, but just something to look for. January, cold weather, harder ball, family show. I'm, you know, 50-plus. I'm not sitting there like, ah, he's got this, like I was, you know, the last five, ten years. Well, he, it's it's one for five this season on 50-plus field goals, yeah. uh, Tim. And uh, there's been a getting circumstance. One was from 61. One was from 59. The other miss is, that wasn't blocked is 53 in the Cardinals stadium that everyone is always saying how bad, like, the, the field is. So... Like, I don't think I'm worried about Tucker, but I do think, like, you just, it's just, a 50-yard field goal is no longer just a viable play, I think, for the Ravens. Like, I think you have to think about going for it more in the these their, their close um, scenarios because, yeah, I, I, I think it's just, a, the special teams has been great and awful all year, and I assume it's a personnel thing because in years past, the Ravens always have good special teams under John Harbaugh. I don't think he just forgot how to coach special teams. So that's that's what leads me to believe it's a it's it's a player problem. But it's definitely yeah something. It, 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 for as many problems as we have, also being like oh, and now our kicking game's inconsistent is like not something they needed to add. I guess <laughs> I'll say um, I have a few other. Uh, Antonio, just intangibles I wanted to touch on. I, I mentioned it. Um, they just need to draft a left tackle <laughs> this upcoming draft mm-hmm. because, um, you know, it, it's 
I feel bad for Ronnie Stanley. It really Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. Bravo, bravo. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them? And then he just grabbed them and ran away. Brubble. Now get a Big Mac or double cheeseburger for two bucks in the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Must opt into rewards. Visit McD app for details. Available at most restaurants in this area. Comparison of McDonald's classic burgers to prior burgers. Sucks what keeps happening to him. He keeps, and it's like the same injury every time. He's like blocking his guy and then gets like rolled up on by someone else. But... Like, at a certain point, too, you're just kind of a guy who gets hurt. Like, the greatest ability is availability, and the chances are, if they drafted left tackle, it's going to be a worse player than Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley's a really good player. But, like, you just have to have healthy starters. That's just so important. You have to have a starting caliber player who's on the field, and he just cannot be relied upon to be that. Um and then as an aside, he hasn't been that good this season. I think you'd say this is Stanley's, like, from quality of play. He's been burned a few times uh, this year in a way I think we hadn't seen. But um, just this kind of, I looked this up and kind of put it in stark contrast to me. Um, the only season Jonathan Ogden ever played less than 12 games in was his final season in 2007. Uh, Ronnie Stanley has not played 12 games since 2019. It just, you just can't have it. You gotta have, you gotta have a starting left tackle play week in and week out. And so again, sucks for him. He got paid. Enjoy your life. Uh, hopefully find a new team, but it, it just can't be the, the, the option <laughs> week one in 2024. Um, and then the other thing, this was on my radar when they showed pregame and Lamar Jackson sitting on the side of the field in a full coat and a knit hat and it's 50 degrees out. I was like, uh-oh, it's not that cold out. I was standing outside. My parents were raking leaves, uh, you know. Uh, I love how he says my parents, by the way. Like, he was just standing there watching yeah. his well, parents rake leaves. I, w- I came over like 10 minutes before the game started. I didn't have time to rake leaves. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> but, uh... Um, this sent me down a rabbit hole, uh, uh, of, I looked at how Lamar has played in games under 60 degrees, <laughs> um, nine and seven, nine and seven records since the start of the 2020 season, uh, when the game kickoff, uh, game kicks off at a temperature below 60 degrees. Uh, and it's notable, he's only actually completed one full game in December since the start of 2021, so... I don't know. Those aren't losses, but they're not playing in cold weather. 
I don't know. It's on my radar. It's on my radar is can he just not play after the month of November, or at least to the same level he does in the first two months of the season? Uh, I'm tracking it. I'm keeping my eye on it. Uh, a couple things. Like a good here. storm. First of all, I just I, did, I want to jump in on this because being in that stadium and and you know I was sitting on corner end zone, but more towards like the brown sideline, and that stadium is the legitimate split in half. If you haven't been there, half the stadium has all the sun, half the stadium has all the shade. And not to defend South Florida boy Lamar Jackson, but he the Ravens sideline, the Ravens bench is the shade side of that stadium. While tailgating under, like, trees and stuff, I was wearing a full winter coat. As soon as we got into the stadium, I'm just in a hoodie, and it was perfectly fine. Not saying he should be wearing a coat in 50-degree weather, old man yells at cloud. But I will say, that Ravens sideline, it's legitimately, like, 15 to 20 degrees colder on that end of the stadium than it is when you're sitting in the beaten sun the whole time. Something to consider moving forward. He is still a South Florida boy that's annoying that it's 55 degrees. And trust me, I will be right there with Jace when I'm not at the game. And I forget this little tidbit that I just gave to you, the, the loyal listener, and, uh, and get annoyed by it. Um, a couple more things before we move off this game for me, intangible-wise. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, we haven't talked about it yet. Keaton Mitchell, real good. Three carries. Real good. Three carries. Really, really good. Three carries. And uh, Jeff Zarebeck, as we're recording this on a Monday night, tweeted, uh, Harbaugh, this is a quote from Jeff, quote, Harbaugh said that Keaton Mitchell's lack of usage is a legitimate question. <laughs> Apparently he doesn't have an answer for it as the head coach. He said, looking back on it, Mitchell should have been more involved, attributed it to coaching staff still learning to trust a young player and what he's healthy enough to do slash handle. Um, this is an audio medium, but both of my co-hosts simultaneously put their hands on their head, rubbing their temples. Uh, Jace looks like he's about to eat his own fingers. And that's how that's the job. That's what a coach does. Yep. That's yep. what they do. Yep. They analyze the players that they have Correct. and make decisions about yes. how many plays they should get and Absolutely. how they should be integrated into the plays on the football field. Yep. Uh, that's yeah. the main role. The most dynamic player in this game got three carries, and Harbaugh's quote afterwards was, well, it, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. That was pretty much it. You know, he gave the, oh, Reggie, kind of, like, response. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's incredibly infuriating. And I'll just leave you with this, coming from Jeff Zarebeck's article. Talking to Kyle Hamilton, and I just, I read this quote, and it it kind of sums up, and not to, not to bag on Kyle Hamilton, I think he's a great player, what have you, but, like, this mentality really pisses me off. Uh, talking about the loss, he goes, quote, A little bit humbling. The past two home games, being treated to 30-point wins with the Lions and Seahawks, and came out today, I was looking the same, being treated to those, by the way. I feel like guys kind of let off the gas a little bit. Not pointing fingers at all, just saying from top to bottom as an organization, I feel like we could do a better job of just locking in. Not that guys weren't locked in, but just that we need to be much more intense, even though we have a lead. I think we were up 15 in the third quarter and had a chance to put them away. That gobbledygook of the fact that you have to say that as like a, maybe, you know, we could be a little bit more intense. It seems fine. Whatever is infuriating. Like, loss after that, I want guys piss and vinegar and like, not being rude to the media, but not being fun to deal with after a loss. Let's just put it that way. And that, like, just 
pussyfooting around the problem is is really really upsetting and, and look Antonio's had an old man yells at cloud moment today. Jace has had an old man yells at cloud moment today. Maybe this is my old man yells at cloud moment, but I just cannot believe that that is a, yeah, you know, maybe we need to step it up. It was, it was kind of, it kind of stunk. Maybe, you know, not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not saying anything, but you know, maybe we should be, maybe we should be a little bit more intense is just like a, I have to edit this. So I'm not going to do it, but BS answer uh, to overall to that loss. It's just infuriating. All right, we're gonna turn, we're gonna turn away from this. We're gonna close the book. Thank God. It's the you know the twenty four hour rule for wins for the players, twenty four hour rule for losses. Uh, we were able to get it in under the wire. It's it's we did have all three of us, I would say, and not you know I'm including myself, myself included, all three of us with just some terrible takes in, in this fifty <laughs> minutes about this stupid team because they drive us to it. Uh, not stupid, old man. Can still be right. <laughs> well, can still well, be right. <laughs> oh gosh, where's a where's a coat on the sidelines during football games? <laughs> yeah. I, I I hate this team. First place in the AFC North, Baltimore Ravens, seven and three, should be ten and zero, because that's what the data suggests. Because of how little, how few minutes they've trailed just like all those other 10 and 0 football teams but no they're seven and three still clinging to a half game lead <laughs> uh half game a whole game half game lead to everybody else seemingly in the afc north all right <sighs> take a breath move on from that let's go around the nfl the steelers won because of course they did another weird stupefying win at home uh to the packers and cover but the Bengals actually were able to lose a football game after the month of September, losing at home to the Texans, doing the Ravens a bit of a favor there. Uh, all four AFC North teams could very easily make the playoffs this year in the AFC. Uh, and quite frankly, I still don't think two of them are, are very good football teams, uh, and they're the second and third place teams in the North. It's frustrating. I know. The Ravens have lost to both of them, and yet uh, I'm curious to see how the uh, season shakes out, but all four of them, in theory, could go. That's been the the national media talking point uh, waking up uh, on Monday. They were, by my count, I may have to double check this, but five games decided by last second field goals. Boy, the NFL just the the machine keeps keeps turning, uh, and the content is as good as ever. Uh, the scores are close. You get late late drama. Uh, and the money keeps rolling in. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, the Patriots <laughs> managed to lose uh, a game in a new, terrible way with two bad quarterbacks in the game as opposed to just one. Um, very, very fun to watch Mac Jones throw one of the worst interceptions of all time and for Bill Belichick to then do the I'm a genius and bring in Zappy for the last drive of the game. And then have Zappy throw a terrible interception uh, to officially lose it for them. And they're walking their way right into a top three pick, which is something that we said uh, at the beginning of the year that we really hoped wouldn't happen because that's a team that doesn't deserve a generational quarterback uh, in a year where the college class seems to be really strong uh, and top heavy with a couple of good prospects there. But they'll, you know, they, they're doing it just right. Fire Bilicek? What are you talking about? He's doing the perfect con move to get a top five pick while looking frustrated uh, at, after every loss. And then my last one, 49ers. 
so back. Uh, losers of three in a row had a bye week to reset. Absolutely demolished the Jacksonville Jaguars in Florida, and they're looking strong again. Um, just in time for the Ravens to, to play them, and I guess it's still a month away, but it, it feels like it's right around the corner um, based on how things are going. But what uh, what did you guys see this week in the NFL that got your attention? Well, so you mentioned those just last second uh, wins, and um, I was at my parents' house after we watched that just absolutely frustrating Ravens game we just talked about. We're treated to what became two excellent football games. One, like a potential game of the year, uh, Lions 41, Chargers 38. This one was just such a joy to watch, and I just love watching the Lions. I really hope... Um, if we're not going to do anything, <laughs> and I, I have expressed uh, my doubts about that. I, I hope the Lions make a deep run because just the Dan Campbell experience and then just going for it on these random fourth downs. I mean, going for it on fourth down on the final on the final series. Um, it just felt like there was constant like fourth and one conversions. Not a lot of defense in that game, but that was really fun. And then because the staggered start times, you got to flip over to watch kind of a crazy end to the Seahawks Commanders game. And uh, it, it did lift my spirits a bit because I was like, while well, my own team might, you know, kick me in the teeth constantly. I'm sure a great game for anyone who wasn't a Ravens fan watching. But, uh, you know, being on the losing end of just another good close game uh watching just two ga- two teams i don't really care about play each other great games it was it was a nice little pick me up and, and a reminder of what the nfl can be um and then yeah only other thought is this is part of the plan for the patriots uh they are they're deliberately tanking i'm convinced i i i cannot uh, i just can't believe a, a bill belichick team is this uh, unintentionally bad, I think. <laughs> I can't accept it yet. The, the, the cut, was it Jack Jones today? They're mm-hmm. they're getting rid of players that seem decent and uh, doesn't make sense. And they're, you know, they're his quarterback decisions. I, I think he's trying to get one of Caleb Williams or Drake May, and he stands a really good chance at it. If, you know, Kyler can string a few wins together for the Cardinals here down the stretch, they're going to be picking in the top three. And that is a terrifying and upsetting thought. So the only pushback I have to all this Patriots stuff is, one, there's been a lot of reports of, like, Belichick is kind of just checking out. Like, he doesn't want to coach coaches anymore. He always just keeps bringing in familiar faces and family members to coach different parts of the team because he just doesn't want to, like, grow guys, like the whole Belichick coaching tree, which, you know, a little bit of a joke because they all go on to be abysmal, Josh McDaniels. Um, when they leave the New England Patriots system, but there were a lot, a lot of great coaches that came from Belichick because he would impart some wisdom on them, and he doesn't feel like doing that anymore. But more so, outside of what people want to tell you about how great their draft was this past year, which haven't seen that really. And shout out Christian Gonzalez, you know, not being able to stay healthy, so that's you know that's not necessarily on him. But do we believe that Bill Belichick can draft well and like pick the right quarterback? Because evidence will tell you he can't. Like, maybe he just takes, like, I don't know, who's the top left tackle, Jace, this year? Like, some guy out of... Oh, yeah, like, you don't I have, his you, you don't have to pull it now. <laughs> you don't have to pull it now. But, like, Notre Dame guy or whatever, left tackle out of what have you. Maybe he just goes there or goes Marvin Harrison Jr. and be like, that'll fix Mac. Like, do, do we trust Bill Belichick to just pick the right guy? Maybe we don't. And maybe I'm just being like, God, please, 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 just... If you're going to get in this position to be good again, please just don't. Because, you know what? Your fans have had it fine and good for a long time and i don't want that anymore uh, only other quick note i had 
um, you know, you talked about the Bengals a little bit here. C.J. Stroud is the real deal, and that's super annoying because it's just another AFC quarterback. Like, he could have just been a Panther, and we wouldn't have to deal with him. He would be in the other conference doing his thing and be like, oh, man, he looks so cool in that teal. Is it teal? Carolina blue and black, whatever the hell it is. And look at him just just tearing it up. Now he's just with the Texans, and, like, the Texans are just good. There's no There's no way around that now. C.J. Stroud, good. Texans good good coach talented receiving options decent defense getting pieces there just another AFC team to worry about over the next five to ten years while we just wallow in like maybe Super Bowl contender crap the bed maybe Super Bowl contender crap the bed week in and week out for the Ravens so yeah that's that's super fun every week it's uh looking and feeling better and better that we got them week one the Texans as opposed to having to deal with them in December but happy for them to steal steal a win uh, away from Cincinnati. So that's good. And with that, let's turn to Cincinnati because that is who the Ravens play next. At home, <laughs> Thursday night football. Ravens, three and a half point favorites. A very important half point there. Hosting Cincinnati. Um, what a way to enter a short week. That's my first take uh, about this game. Injured players, terrible loss. Double-digit lead, squandered, uh, players pointing fingers. I had not seen the Hamilton quote, Tim. That's, um, yeah, some nice milk toast finger-pointing from Hamilton there uh, <laughs> with three days before another important division game. Both teams coming off of disappointing losses, so that's the other aspect of this. Which team, you know, the, the NFL cliche of which team wants it more. I know which team wanted it more in the fourth quarter uh, of the Ravens game, both from the line from the quarterback, and from other positions on the field. Coming off of bad losses and needing to keep you know, whatever foothold you have in the North, which team responds better coming off of, off of those bad losses? And let's start with the Ravens' offense uh, against the Bengals' defense. The first question is, what will the Ravens' offensive line look like? If Stanley is out, what's the solution let me put it this way. If Stanley is out, what's the solution at left tackle if Makari's still playing right tackle for Morgan Moses? Moses was a kind he was like a maybe throughout last week uh, coming into the into the Cleveland game. I have a hunch that he will be back for this one. This is again not a not a not a medical opinion here, but more of just how the practice week went last last week and I think they just played it kind of safe with him a little bit. I would not be surprised if he starts at right tackle. And then I guess it's Makari. We'll just swing him over to the other side to play <laughs> to play left tackle. What's the Zeitler situation looking like? So a lot of question marks on the Ravens offensive line, and that is, you know, how you start when you analyze uh, a unit. So um, curious as to your thoughts on, on the line play, previewing how that's going to look like, how Lamar responds, the running game, does Mitchell get more carries, um, what have you. I'll just go quickly here. I, th- I think this is a game where we need to come out of it, you know, God willing win, but win or loss, you need to come out of it going, okay, look, the offense isn't perfect, but that was the Browns' defense. Right, like where I think, you know, this is a Ravens-based podcast. We're obviously all frustrated, what have you, and, and rightly so, I think. But there's something to be said for the Browns' defense is just really good. 
you know, and and before Sunday, I would have argued that the Ravens' defense was better. I don't know if I have that argument anymore, um, you know, as much as that pains me. But I need to come out of this game saying, look, because the Bengals have traditionally had a pretty good defense in this recent run of success. It ain't been that this year. Um, you know, even even with their bit of resurgence, the defense has not been up to snuff. Like B- Big Lou Anarumo, their defensive coordinator, is kind of known for halftime adjustments. He didn't have an answer for C.J. Stroud. And the, the Ravens offense needs to go into this game saying, Big Lou, you ain't got an answer for us either. And I need to see a, you know, offensive line issues. What ha- You know, I know that's a, that's a major problem, but I, I want to come out of this game saying, you know what? The Browns needed it more. They wanted it more. And it was one of those days where they just were the bullies on the block and we didn't have an answer for it. And they're really good. And the Bengals aren't that, and the Ravens showed that. Um, it, very simple answer there, but but it's just it's just the main main component I need to see. I, I do think Mo, if Moses is back and they can play Makari on the left, I do think that would go a long way to helping. They do seem just. I mean, that's probably true of every team, but I feel like especially the Ravens, if like they can go into a game knowing they don't have people, I feel like they can adjust a lot better than they. Like, when they try to adjust on the fly, I feel like it ends a disaster, at least when it comes to the offensive line at times. And that might be true of every team. Um, but but I think just having the plan in place is going to help them. And um, to Tim's point about the Bengals, um, they also might be without Trey Hendrickson this week. Really good chance of that. He uh, he has some sort of knee hyper uh, extension, I believe they said. Um, seems unlikely he'll play this weekend or on Thursday, just given the, the quick turnaround. And he's given the Ravens a lot of problems in the past. So him not being there would help a long way. You could kind of focus on some of their other guys. Uh, so I'm, I'm more optimistic, along with Tim, that it looks better than what we saw on Sunday. Um, I never said optimistic. In... I just said I want to see that. Doesn't mean, I'm, doesn't mean I think I'm, it's going to happen. Well, I guess I'm more optimistic then. No, uh, just me, that it looks better. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not super confident. I hate uh, – talk about old man takes. I hate that the Bengals lost on Sunday because now I feel like that greatly decreases our chances of winning, uh, even though I'm sure there's no science behind that. And, uh, you know, home teams went on TNF who knows how many percent of time. But uh, bet the under all those things about TNF. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I think it'll be better. I don't know if it'll look great. Uh, honestly, if like Stanley, even though he's struggled at times, he's still better than their other options, I think. So it might be a slog and that sucks. Um, we'll suck the rest of the season. Cause I don't think we'll get Stanley back, but it kind of is what it is with him. A talking point that broadcasts would discuss a lot the last month or so with the Ravens was Lamar Jackson getting the ball out quicker than he ever has in his career and that was a, an aspect of the Munkin offense didn't see it a ton uh, against the Browns in what should have been the fastest time to get the ball out based on the opponent and the talent uh, that the Browns have on the <laughs> defensive line another opportunity here against uh you know given how banged up the offensive line is likely to be um Let's see some quick stuff out into the flat to Flowers. Let's see Mitchell lined up in unique positions as soon as the coaching staff is able to figure out 
you know, how much he should be playing and, and how healthy he is and how talented he really is. If they can figure that out and put him on the field, um, it'd be <laughs> nice to see him in unique spots. Um, quick stuff, quick stuff, quick stuff. And then as the Bengals kind of cave in and respond to that, then you go over the top. A few disappointing deep throws from, from Lamar uh, this Sunday. I kind of think it's one of those a matter of time situations. He, he's had a few misses uh, in a couple of games, but I, we, we've seen him go on streaks where he hits deep balls with perfect accuracy. I think that's coming at some point. Um, and I would like to see, you know, you do the, the quick stuff, the short stuff, and then hit him on a double move in the second half. Ravens defensively. Against the Bengals' offense, Humphrey status, we don't know exactly. Gonna go ahead and assume uh, he's not there, but probable that T. Higgins doesn't play for the Bengals in this one. He did not play on Sunday um, and is still kind of in the recovery process, so probably not going to play with the short week. And yet, I have some concerns about the Ravens' secondary Saw a little bit too much of Rocky Yassin, uh on Sunday with him either committing penalties or uh, getting beat or or other things of that nature. Um, so how do you guys feel about the Ravens defensively bouncing back uh, against this Bengals offense? Definitely a little better if Higgins isn't there. He has just sort of lit us up for reasons I, I, I'm unsure about. He has four touchdowns against us, his most against any team. Um, he has 414 yards. He just seems to really shine, and they seem to be able to lock Chase down. Now, is that because that's Marlon Humphrey doing that? That's a concern with him out. Uh, Jamar Chase could go off. Um, and I have concerns about Burrow if they're not able to get after him, which, you know, edge rush kind of hit or miss at times. Uh, Justin Madbike had another great game on, on Sunday, but uh, Clowney, I thought, made himself known before his uh, yearly uh, injuries issues have seemed to have started. Uh, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm not super confident, I'll tell you, to tell you the truth, uh, just because I feel like Burrow, while they have locked, since McDonald showed up, they've locked Burrow down more than any other team uh, but are they going to do that now five games in a row against him? That's, I don't know. That seems kind of unlikely. I have uh, some doubts that he's going to be held under, you know, 300 yards yet again. Um, it seems like he's due to go off against them at one of these days, and, and that concerns me too. So I'm not I'm not especially confident, uh, especially with Humphrey out. But certainly Higgins out at least helps a little bit. I don't have I don't have good analysis uh, that Jace just had. I don't know it. It's hard to be confident in a unit that you just watched got beat to a pulp. Um, a unit that you had so much confidence in. A unit that I told you on this podcast and multiple others in my day to day life literally brought tears to my eyes. One because I'm a psycho. <laughs> two because I love defense. And three because I really love Ravens defense. Um, and then to put on that piss poor display. I don't know. It Joe Burrow in prime time in a game that the the Bengals, like you think the Ravens need this game? The Bengals need this game. They are out of the playoff picture as things stand right now. Outside looking in as we record this. Uh, for as much moaning and whining as we want to do about the Ravens, they're 
you know, seven and three, or what is it, six and three, seven and three? Seven and three, excuse me. Um, Joe Burrow in I need to win this game mode, even without T. Higgins, I don't know. I, I need to see the Ravens match that level of intensity that the Bengals are going to uh, bring, especially on that side of the football. So I would love to say I'm confident, but frankly, guys, I'm, I'm just not. I'm not confident that they, they will be able to match that intensity here on Thursday night. We have uh, like a rubric of this. The Ravens played at home in primetime against the Bengals with, and when it was Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson at, at last season. Um, and it was a tight game, a lot of field goals, and then the Ravens won it late with an example of what Lamar Jackson can do late in a football game. To put, keep the ball in his hands, make plays. Um, he had a couple of runs to get them downfield to kick the game-winning Field goal. I believe that was last season. I don't know if I'm losing my mind here, but um, it was the first half of last year back when Lamar Jackson was healthy that year. Um, so that's the formula. The formula is there. Like we've seen this exact game, this type of scenario where the Ravens were able to win, but it was extremely close, and they were behind late, and they had to pull it out with a game-winning drive. That's something that I think could happen here. We're gonna have no faith if the like. Would you rather be down at half or up at half? It's so it's such an insane <laughs> question to ask. If we're up fourteen nothing, we're all gonna be terrified. If we're down three, we'll be thinking, okay, all right, we're in this game and we can uh, pull it off, pull it off late. But I've seen it before with both quarterbacks healthy. The Ravens both, you know, it was a Lamar versus I don't know, half of Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, and and they were able to really control large portions of that game and the Bengals I don't know they haven't they haven't quite been that same kind of dominant team after the the rough start really should have won the game against the Texans I don't know if you guys looked at the details of that uh, of that game they had a drop uh, in the end zone late where they had to settle for a game tying field goal when really they should have had a game winning touchdown. They didn't take advantage of a couple of C.J. Stroud mistakes in that one. Had a bad a bad interception in the second half, and they couldn't. I'm not taking the Ravens as we get to the, the, the picks here. I've been wrong about them seemingly every week. It's been amazing. I've gone back and forth, <laughs> and I'm on the wrong side of the pendulum every time. I'm going to take the Bengals. That half point is really what I'm looking at. I actually think the Ravens do win this football game. I think it is a two-point win, three-point win, but the Bengals are able to cover with that stupid extra half point there. And I'm not sure how many answers we're going to have. I think it's going to be a little bit ugly uh, on both sides. I don't think it's going to be really high scoring. Maybe we'll have an answer about Justin Tucker. We'll feel a little bit better about the kicking game. Um, but I'm going to take the Bengals plus three and a half. Uh, was one and one last week with my picks. I'm waiting on the result. Uh, of the Monday night game to complete the teaser, which would be uh, a satisfying win waiting for the Bills uh, to cover that. I think I had them at minus one and a half in the teaser, so we will see. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll let you guys do the do the do your Ravens pick and, and finish up any any Ravens game thoughts and then tie up the, the last few picks. Yeah, I'll just go quickly here. Um, two and one last week, 17 and nine on the year, um, and if we're just doing Ravens right now, 
I'm with Antonio. Three in the hook is Bengals all day. If that gets down to minus two and a half for the Ravens, there's you can you you can't talk me into it. You might be able to talk a more optimistic person into it um, because I'm you know I wouldn't touch this game with a ten foot pole. But uh, Bengals plus three and a half in a in a prime time game that both teams need. This is going to be a three point or less victory for somebody. This is not going to be a blowout in any way, shape, or form. The Ravens could go up 21 with seven minutes in the fourth quarter, <laughs> and it'll still end up as a three-point victory for probably the Bengals, but maybe the Ravens. So give me Bengals plus three and a half here uh, in this game. Yeah, just I'm, I'm right there with you guys. Bengals plus three and a half. I think if Burrow is healthy, that's almost he, – he's kind of at a point where you just kind of, I think on principle, have to be like Burrow as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. You just kind of have to do it. Um, and I guess that's kind of a thing to watch. He was kind of – kind of not healthy and then tweaked his leg in that game against the Ravens earlier in the year. I, I did think he had kind of had gotten it going in the second half, but certainly got off to an awful start. I think we see a better version of him. I don't know if I'm just negative. I think the Ravens lose this week. It seems like the vibes are bad all of a sudden again. Maybe, maybe just in my head. They could easily come out and win because that's what this team does. But And they are a good team. But for good gambling purposes, I think you have to pick the Bengals in this spot. All right, the rest of my picks, and I might I might ask for a little uh, co-host suggestion here, but one of the picks that I'm taking is the L.A. Chargers minus three at the Green Bay Packers. The Chargers find ways to lose football games, I know, <laughs> but they are a be- they are a more talented team than the Green Bay Packers. I know this game is at Lambeau. Herbert has looked great. They are putting up points. And it's just one of those scenarios where I don't know how the Packers keep up with the Chargers as that game goes along, uh, putting these offenses against each other. So I think three is a safe enough, boy, I say safe enough with the Los Angeles Chargers, but I kind of see them winning this game by a touchdown or more. Uh, So I am taking the Chargers. And then there's a lot of big spreads with good teams playing not so good teams. Uh, And I'm going to ask my co-host for which of these three would you which of these four would you take in a three-team six-point tease i know you might have you guys might have some of them in your own picks but 49ers are i believe home i will have to confirm that yes 49ers are home to the tampa bay buccaneers you can get that at minus four and a half with the six-point shift the Dallas Cowboys are at the Carolina Panthers. That would also be minus four and a half. The Miami Dolphins uh, at home against the Las Vegas Raiders would be minus five and a half. And then the Washington Commanders minus three and a half at home against those disastrous New York football giants. I originally did not have Washington in this. I was going to roll with 49ers, Cowboys, and Dolphins. But I like need to put that Washington game in. The the Giants stink. They are terrible. They're playing Tommy DeVito at quarterback. They can't score points. Washington kind of frisky, kind of talented. So I I like shove them into this one. Uh, I turn to you guys. Just thirty seconds. Which one of these four would you kind of rip out of here to have the safest three team tees? I'll go quick. Washington. Just what what are we doing? You're betting on the Chargers too. So maybe you're just going full crazy. That's fine. <laughs> But uh, I, Tommy DeVito's got one game in him, right? With with his gabagool-eating <laughs> parents up in there in the stands watching him play. Like, it's ha- it, 
you cannot pick the Washington Commanders as a favorite under uh, over a field goal. Excuse me. Spoiler alert for my picks coming up because I might be holding my nose and taking the other side. We'll see here in <laughs> just a moment here on Pod Like a Raven. Take We've all the, gone crazy here. Yeah, just I know, right? Just I, I, I'm saying that he's crazy, and I'm, I'm about to take Tommy DeVito, so this is going to be something crazy. But rip that one out. Are you kidding me? I mean, look, Niners, sure. Dallas scares me, even though they beat up on bad teams, but it's like, oh, Dallas, 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 Dallas this week. Although everybody's kind of figured them out, so maybe they just continue to beat up on bad teams. Miami, I think, whacks the Antonio Pierce-led Raiders. I think that that new coach syndrome, that's the one I'm probably the most confident in, even if it is the biggest spread. Get the commanders out of there right now because that is just the one that is going to be all of a sudden it's going to be in the fourth quarter, and it's like DeVito's got the ball down two. Pass interference by Emmanuel Forbes on the one-yard line. What happened? Oh, no, the Washington commanders. Just Washington commandered again. Like, uh, that, you know, I could see that just – absolutely destroying your tees because it's it's washington and that's what they do yeah i'm completely with tim i just don't think <laughs> oh, you wow. can trust okay. them i i i i just don't yeah i think they they hung tough uh against seattle certainly they busted a lot of spreads uh i could speak to experience on sunday with their late comeback there or to tie it and then they blow it at the end uh, on a walk-off field goal but um yeah, I think they are frisky, and also, like, I think they can lose to anyone. Uh, and so that's why I just don't think you can trust them. They lost to the Giants already this season, in fact. 14-7. to That's one of the Giants' two wins. That was a Tyrod team and not a Tommy DeVito team. So uh, the Giants uh, certainly look like they're... Uh, going fully operational for the tank uh, to go, um, you know, lose out and get a top two pick here. Uh, it seems like they're one of the, the teams to watch if they're just riding with Tommy DeVito all season, uh, who, like, wasn't good in college. But that being said, I still don't think you can trust Washington. I just, I mean, the Giants are so bad. They, they, are, they I mean, scored 17 this weekend. They got a touch. In a 49-10 to 10 game, they tacked on a score with six seconds left. So that's 17 points. Looks, I think, better than it is. Six points the week before that. Ten the week before that. 14, 9, 16, 3, 12. They can't score. But I'm going to listen. I asked for uh, advice, and I'm going to take it. If it was a, a unanimous decision, I'm removing Washington. Officially, the pick is in. Read it on the card. 49ers minus four and a half. Dallas minus four and a half. Miami minus five and a half. Uh, as good as the last week of football was in terms of close games, this could be a, a very boring week of uh, blowouts uh, across across the league. But I'll let you guys finish up. Your and, well, apologies in advance, Antonio, when um, Baker gets a backdoor cover against the Niners or something. Uh, and uh, Or, or Aiden O'Connell and, and the Dolphins uh, or uh, the Raiders cut that to like 10 or yeah, within five or something. But um, I, 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 I'm just taking the Cowboys outright as one of my other picks. Minus 10 and a half at the Panthers. I think they just destroy bad teams aside from whatever they did against the Cardinals that one week. They seem to be amongst the most front runnery of teams in the NFL. And, and I, you know, Panthers are coming off a bye, but when we last saw Bryce Young, he was throwing three picks. I do not love that going up against a, a Dan Quinn defense. Um, and then one line to watch, Seahawks are now minus one at the Rams. I don't truthfully know the status of Matt Stafford, but I kind of don't get this line regardless. The Rams are three and six now. 
also coming off a bye. Seahawks coming off a hard-fought win. And I guess the idea is the Seahawks are always willing to blow a game. But the Rams were at one point favored in this game. The line's already shifted uh, two points. Um, but I'm taking the Seahawks. They're just a better team than the Rams, I, <laughs> even if Stafford's healthy. Um, and then if you want a bonus, uh, Texans minus four and a half against the Cardinals. I think the Texans are good, and I'm still not sure. Even though the Cardinals, you know, screwed me and many other people with that walk-off win against the Falcons. Arthur Smith stinks. He's a bad coach. The Falcons stink. Uh, I think the Texans appear to be a good team. So, I don't know, less than a, less than five points at home. And the guy who's the rookie of the year and coming off a great win on the road, could they fall apart? Maybe, but I still think the Cardinals are bad. They're two and eight. Uh, so yeah, that's a bonus Texans. Um, for, I think. Um, I'm just going to call this the hold your nose week for me. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I'll start with the one that I've teased so many times. Give me Tommy DeVito and the that's New York giants plus nine insanity. and a half <laughs> plus nine and a half against the Washington commanders. Look, I'll say this. This is simply a bet against the Washington Commanders. The Washington Commanders should not be favored against any team by more than seven points. I would not recommend taking this at nine and a half. It is currently, as we speak, nine and a half uh, on on, uh, FanDuel, which is what we're using to kind of make sure we're all on the same page here. Wait till it gets to ten and a half or hell. Buy it up to ten and a half and take the ten and a half there. But as it stands right now, I'm holding my nose. I'm taking Tommy DeVito. I'm firing up the Sopranos theme music. I'm hearing all the stories about how he still sleeps at home and his mom still makes his bed and makes dinner and chicken cutlets and whatever. That's all fine. Give me Tommy DeVito plus nine and a half in the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders. You both are laughing at me. It'll be hilarious when Washington loses this game outright. Take that. Wait for ten and a half. It's probably going to move. Wait for that. A game that you should take right now, though, because something tells me that it's going to move the other way, is Steelers plus four away to the Cleveland Browns. This is another, I know the Steelers are bad, but Mike Tomlin is an underdog against an opponent that's been going to get all the praise this week in the Cleveland Browns for a stellar comeback win in the AFC North. Could they make a run for that AFC North title because of this defense and the moxie they showed? Is Deshaun Watson finally coming into his own? You know who is the roadblock for all of that? It's Mike Tomlin's annoying Steelers at plus four, that line's moving to plus three, plus two and a half by the time Sunday comes. Give me, give me the all four points with the Steelers. It's it's close late. I don't care who wins as long as it's by three or less, uh, especially on that Cleveland side. So I'm taking Steelers plus four as well. A lot of underdogs this week for me. I'm holding my nose and seeing how it goes. Quick poll to you guys: uh, Steelers and Browns both six and three. Which team do you think is better for the Ravens to uh, to lose this game? Browns to lose it because I think the Browns are better. I'd rather the Browns lose. Yeah, the Browns are better, but we lose to the Steelers more. I don't know what side that makes me me on. Let's hope they tie. All right, Tim will cover and there'll be some confusion. Take that too. That works. Uh, All right, that's uh, going to do it. You know what? We have a minute. Jace, I'm going to call you out on this because you wrote it in our notes, so I'm forcing you to talk about it. (laughs) Did you or did you not cash out your Lamar MVP and Ravens Super Bowl bets this week? 
I did. I did it uh, this morning. Oh, I um, don't like it. Wow. Yeah, wow. Well, I, the Lamar MVP one, maybe that that might have yeah, been. I made it, have been a good decision. I, I actually made some decent amount of money on that. I, I have a Jalen Hurts ticket out there too, so it's not like uh, I'm out of the MVP game. But uh, I just I saw that ten that ten TDs, ten intercept or that ten turnover stat, and I was like, they're not giving this man MVP. Uh, so I, I that one's down. fine. That one's fine. But the Ravens will make the playoffs, Jace, and yeah. the, the the value's got to go up once they're in the postseason. I, I guess. Yeah, I thought about that. It was an emotional, it was from the heart. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is such a selling low situation. I can't even, I can't even believe it. All right, I just had to, I had to force Jace to say that so I could have one more critique of just everything Ravens this week. Uh, a little bit all over the place this this episode. Probably my fault. I'm just frustrated. I'm fed up with this football team. They should, they should be better. Just be better for Jace Evans and Tim Horsey. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us, putting up with us this week on Pod Like a Raven. Good luck Thursday night, Ravens. We will see you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.